You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. So you think you've got what it takes to join the Alliance. Can you say the same thing when you're pitted against the Emperor's legions of stormtroopers, led by his Sith Enforcer Darth Vader? Mind you, this is the Empire that wiped out the Jedi Order and took over the Republic in a near-perfect coup. The course you will take is a dangerous one, and we are vastly outnumbered. We need beings of courage, intelligence, and strength of will. Commanders Michael Cohen and Matthew Frankie are waiting to debrief you. As veterans of the Clone Wars, they are some of the best. They even survived the Jedi Purge. You are fighting for freedom and hope now. So go on, get moving. Oh, and Rookie. Welcome to the Rebellion. Hello and welcome back to the Rebels Podcast. This is our 15th episode of Season 2 for the episode Homecoming. I am one of your hosts, Michael Cohen, and with me, as always, my faithful co-pilot, Matt the Crankster Crinky. Hey, good day, mate. So excited to be here. I'm sorry, I kind of went into my Australian accent there for a minute. I was so excited. Is that what that uh, was supposed to be? <laughs> we'll take your word for it. Yeah, something like that, right? <laughs> I was going to do an English accent, but it kind of morphed into Australian. Hey, yeah, it's good to be back, man, We're talking some rebels, and I wonder if anybody else got that joke, but we'll get into that uh, in a few moments in the recap, Mike. Uh, before we do that, let's hit some uh, some news. Hey, last week we talked about Toy Fair yeah, and everything hit, and I don't know if we got a chance to talk about this, but... Spoiler-ish for uh, a character in Star Wars Rebels, so skip ahead for a few minutes if you don't want to hear. Uh, but we saw the, our first image of the Darth Maul that's coming in Star Wars Rebels. Yeah. And uh, I think, I guess, the most obvious thing is the uh, the legs. He's going to get actually, a, actually they revealed a new lightsaber and some new robotic legs, which seem to almost look like regular leg like he's just wearing yeah. he, that's just him you know with pants on and some the only thing that's different is kind of like the knees or it look like they're some type of uh metallic hinge or something like that but we got our first look at mall mike what do you think yeah it's um it, it it's very reminiscent of of what he ends up looking like in in uh the comic in the comic yeah uh yeah. and and like and and those last couple episodes that he showed up in the Clone Wars, um, when when they're like that the the Death Watch gave him, mm-hmm. right? Like it, they're they're pretty similar, but in obviously for that style, they were much bigger and chunkier because that was just kind of the that was just kind of the style for right. for the Clone Wars, right? So right. so as with everything with the Rebels, it kind of gets smoothed out. It's a little bit uh, uh, more rounded and. And that sort of thing. And my, my thing, my thing with Darth Maul is that I, uh, it was really cool to see him with the big, you know, the, the raptor legs, the big chicken legs. Um, mm-hmm. 
when he first came back, uh, because that was obviously an, an homage to the 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 Visionaries comic, uh, where where it was like first the first idea of the, the that Maul might not have died um, mm-hmm. on on Naboo, but I. Uh, as it sort of went on, I was like, well, really, in in reality, like those, though, I guess those legs were magical, mechanical, right? Like they were they were droid parts that were magically fused to them. But then mm-hmm. when when uh, Death Watch puts legs on them, it's like you look at Vader, you look at Luke's hand. Um, they have the technology to do more lifelike limbs, right? Like they, they can, right. they're the limbs can be, uh, uh, more authentic looking and they don't have to be big clunky robotic limbs. So, right. so, um, yeah, so I, I think it fits. I think it makes sense that, that he would have, have more natural looking limbs at this point in time. Um, yeah, and you put glo- you put some gloves and some pants on. You, you, like like you said, Luke and Vader, you don't even tell. Exactly, so. exactly. Yeah. So, um, and then and then the lightsaber. The lightsaber is the most interesting thing. We yeah. we don't get a very good look at it in this in this image or in any of the images that I've seen. I don't think, but it looks to me. It looks like it's his old lightsaber. Like half of it's his old lightsaber, and then he's like put another half on it. Right. Like and like uh, like another another chunk on it, but um, mm-hmm. it's got some cross kind of cross yeah. guards on it, somewhat. Yeah. yeah, and and then extended the blade out on the bottom. Um, the interesting thing is that the logic behind a lightsaber has actually changed a little bit since the Force Awakens, um, because if you look at at the art book for the Force Awakens. Uh, you'll see concept art for like the earliest lightsabers and the earliest lightsabers were basically just the crystal with with like a with like leather straps wrapped around them like mm-hmm. like and I'm not not talking about like the little tiny crystals that the Jedi used in their lightsabers that we're used to but like a huge crystal like like the size of the hilt and and there would be like like gauze or or leather straps wrapped around it and then something to ignite it with right like some sort of ignition switch and that was basically like those were the the first lightsabers so the the concept that that they're like this little tiny crystal inside this larger housing and all that is although that's one way to build a lightsaber that's definitely like the more refined way the more ancient way is is a little bit more uncontained so the mm-hmm. idea that maul could just basically like he didn't because because the original double-bladed lightsaber looked a lot more like two lightsabers put together right right um but this looks much more like one lightsaber that's just extending from both ends so mm-hmm. the idea that he could take his old lightsaber tinker with it a little bit put it back together and have the blade have the one crystal work from both ends it makes more sense now with like the this newer way of thinking of lightsabers and that that the the crystals are really where the energy is coming from and that and that like there's nothing there isn't really anything else getting in the way there's just all of these ways of focusing the energy a little bit more Right. Mm-hmm. And obviously Kylo Ren's is not focused. It's it's a more ancient design and it's more crude. So it 
crackles and it has the vents and and all of that sort of thing right, um, right. that are the cross guards so so it'll be I, it'll be interesting to see this lightsaber in action if we do get to see it in action um i i imagine that we will i don't know why you would bring back darth maul and not have him use his lightsaber but <laughs> God, have back in action, yeah. but we haven't seen him use a double-bladed lightsaber since the phantom menace right phantom menace right yeah um yeah. he used he i believe he he doubled Did he use it in the comic? He double wielded in in um Clone Wars in Clone Wars because he takes right. um, is it Adi Galia or is it the other one? I can't remember. Whoever yeah, it was that it was with Obi Wan that like gets killed by the horn. Mm-hmm. Right? Um I believe that he takes hers and then uses hers, but along with his own, because he's still got the one half of his lightsaber, right? Right. But uh, yeah, I I don't think that he ever. No, because like Savage Press uses a double sided lightsaber, but yeah, no, no, I'm pretty sure he just uses yeah, the one might, in might. the fight with Sidious. But mm-hmm. um, oh no, in the fight with Sidious, he's using the dark saber. He's using dark saber at yeah, that point. Um, right. So that's interesting, actually. I mean, like. Right, it's been so long. <laughs> Running yeah. through that in my mind now, it's like why why isn't he using the dark saber? Why doesn't he have that? But I guess my my guess would be that Palpatine has that somewhere, mm-hmm. right? How would he? I, I, maybe yeah, it's not I, his original lightsaber. Yeah, I, I don't know. It could be a brand new thing that he obviously he's he loves the idea of a double bladed. Yeah, that's his wheelhouse. Um, and maybe it is a new, whole new design. Yeah, like I said, it's so hard to see. The only thing I wonder, too, is like this image we have of what's coming. He's shirtless, but he has a hood. So, I'm, I mean, is that how we're going to see him in Rebels? Yeah. Which, yeah, which would be a trip to see. Because I don't know. We've never really seen him with in, in animated or obviously in uh, movie form as far as without the shirt on. No, no. He, he doesn't have a shirt. When he first came back, he didn't have a shirt. When he was Spider Mall, and then when he got the rap, oh, place, that's right, that's right. He was shirtless, but it was later, like it was, it was season five where, like they they put him in clothes again. That's, yeah, <laughs> but I forgot. Yeah. yeah, no, you're right, you're right. So I wonder if we're gonna see. That's an odd look too, just to have a hood without. Uh, and I'm trying to think of the trailer because we obviously saw him yeah. in the trailer, but. It's mostly just a headshot. So. Yeah, and then he's got, and then he's got a strap across his chest as well. Like it mm. looks like he's got some sort of like a, I don't know if it's like a bandolier or if it's like a holster. Right. But he's got something across his chest as well. So, mm. um, obviously, I Twilight of the Apprentice is going to be, yeah, where we see this because see, like this is my thing. I don't know if Twilight of the Apprentice is referring to. Ezra, or if it's referring to Maul, oh, okay. or if it's referring to Ahsoka, or if it's referring to all three, right? Right, because because Darth Maul is the apprentice, right? I mean, like you had the master and the apprentice, yeah. And then Ezra's you, apprentice, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it and yeah, it's very that's a very interesting title. And when we get there, I think I think things will become clear. But it's one of those. I think it's one of those multi-faceted titles. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so that's a that's a nice little tease, though. Get yeah. a look at uh, Darth Maul. Um, we also found out, uh, continuing on, that the Force Awakens is getting a five issue comic 
adaptation mm-hmm. uh, written by Greg. Is it? Uh, no, not Greg. It's uh, who's written by? It's the guy, Wendig. I'm sorry, Chuck Wendig. Chuck Wendig. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, I've heard. I haven't read his first book. Um, uh, what the heck is the first book called? God, I'm trying to blank all of a sudden today. Uh, aftermath. After, yeah. uh, aftermath. And I've heard like honestly, I've heard like more negative than positive as far as aftermath. I heard that there's good parts of it, but yeah. overall, it's not that great. You so, know what? Um, I, I'll, I'll I'll give the benefit of the doubt for aftermath to 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 uh, the fact like like. I had a more negative experience of it because of the guy who did the audiobook, mm. and it's very interesting because one of the characters in that book in Aftermath um, ends up becoming Snap, right from from the Force Awakens. He that's Snap Wexley, and uh, like so, there's a connection there that was like it was kind of like determined after the fact. So so I understand why the connection isn't as clear as it could be. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it will be an aftermath book too. Um, and then like, like continue on. Cause I think it's supposed to be a trilogy, but um, it, the, the guy who does, and then he's, he does the, the, um, the force awakens book as well. He does the audiobook for that as well. Oh. And, and he really wrecks the force awakens for me. I just don't like this narrator. He's not like, especially like, um, Oh, I'm trying to remember his name it's something with a t so it's not the guy that they got to do there was like one guy that does a lot of the star wars audiobooks and he's actually fairly good so it must be a different guy then it's a it's a newer it's a newer guy he he hasn't he wasn't doing them before like he Mm. he started i think he started with aftermath i know he may have done a couple of them but it's certainly not whoever was doing like um because like uh, uh what's what would have been the last thing that i Listen, listen to something new like one of the probably it probably would have been oh one of the last i guess my phone's right here i could just look um i, I can tell you who the who the narrators are and stuff but um i guess plagueis would have been what i listened to last mm-hmm. uh alan dean foster no sorry mark thompson is the guy is the guy narrating them. Mm-hmm. Um, and he also did, he also did Smuggler's Run. He did an okay job of Smuggler's Run, but but he was really obnoxious. Oh, and he did Dark Disciple as well. That would have been what I listened to just before. Okay. Um, which he did all right with Dark Disciple, but not the best. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and he did Heir to the Jedi. I guess he's been doing a lot of them lately. Mm-hmm. But um, and he did a New Dawn, and a New Dawn really bothered me as well. Uh, but I guess before that, Revenge of the Sith would have been what I listened to before that, and that was Jonathan Davis. Who? If That's I, what I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of Jonathan. If I Davis. go back, Jonathan Davis is yeah. Don. Yeah, he does Kenobi as well, and he did a good job with Kenobi even though that book has its own problems because it's actually, it's not Kenobi, it's random desert lady um, featuring Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, and yeah, yeah, um, I'm not I'm not a fan of this Mark Thompson guy. He has done a lot of the newer stuff. It looks like he's basically done everything since the, since the Disney switchover. Mm-hmm. So starting with A New Dawn and then forward with the new continuity. But um, 
he really makes he really makes that character that that becomes snap i can't remember his first name it's something with a tr sort of it'll come to me later probably Mm -hmm. but um he makes him really whiny and then and then obviously he's played by greg grunberg in the movie right and and i think that decision was made after the fact um because he's just called snap in the movie right Mm -hmm. um and then they end up like the all the other material is like he's snap wexley um Oh, his name, that name's going to bother me. I'm going to look it up. <laughs> but uh, yeah. I, the, 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 the writing, getting back to Chuck Wendig, the way that it's written is okay. It's just, I think a lot of people were upset because it's the first, it's the first piece of EU that fills in the blanks between Re- Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens. <clears throat> And it didn't fill in any blanks. Right. Yeah. I think that's <laughs> it, the thing right there. It, yeah. Like, like yeah. it wasn't about Luke. It wasn't about Leia. It wasn't about Han. And people yeah. were upset about that. So right. I think at the end of the day, that's all it, all the negativity was really about. It was about this new cast of characters. Right. And, and nobody really like, everyone was like, how is this connected? Wedge is obviously there, but, but people were kind of upset that it was about new characters and it was like, guys, what did you think was going to happen? Like, like get used to it. There's going to be new characters. Like this is what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, Oh man. Yeah. Where's the, give me the character list. Come on, Wikipedia. I think like you said, a lot of people thought. Temin's his name. Temin Wexley. Mm -hmm. Uh, And now I will go. Yeah. So Temin is snap. And, the way that that voice is so i think when aftermath 2 comes out i might actually just get the book which i i yeah i did that with um what was it oh jurassic park i i i'd read the first jurassic park i'd read it as the actual book mm-hmm. um and then and then i i got the audiobook cuz for some reason the audiobook for jurassic park wasn't available in canada there were like rights issues or something like that. So I, I could see it on audible, but I couldn't purchase it. Um, but I ended up getting the lost world. And when I listened to the lost world, I listened to it for like 15 minutes and I was like, this is all wrong. This is all completely <laughs> wrong. Cause I'd read Jurassic park. Right. Yeah. So, so I ended up like giving that back to audible. And then, cause that, that's the awesome thing about audible is that you can return your audiobooks at any time and, and get your credit back. And then, purchase a different audiobook. Oh, okay. Um nice. Which is awesome. Like they're they're so good about that. Like their customer service on that end is so good. But like with the cuz the idea is that if you like it, why would you return it? Right. But if you don't like it, then return it and get something that you like. It doesn't make a difference to them. It's all digital files. Right? They just want to keep you as a customer. So Yeah. Um and I I'm sure that there are people who abuse it who just like listen to a book and then return it, but but for me, it's like uh, I, I'll just keep them. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it's honor system, right? But but yeah, so similar to that, I don't know. But at the same time, like I just I can't be bothered to read books. <laughs> it, just, it is hard. Yeah, you know what's crazy is like I I know where you're coming from because I have I started reading the Force Awakens, you know, Alan Dean Foster's yeah. version, and I I got into it quick, and then I'm over halfway through it, and then I just for the last. I think month, I haven't even touched it. Yeah. And I think part of the problem is that 
there's just not enough of extra stuff. Like it follows the movie almost like beat for beat, obviously. Yeah. But there's not a lot of um, extra stuff in there. It's like somebody yeah. told me you can go online and just search, you know, uh, the book. What, what's different from the book or, you know, some kind of search yeah. where you can say, hey, just tell me what the book added. And you can just read yeah. it like that and be done with it. So yeah. I haven't even gone back to the book. And I think the audio thing is where it's at now. Uh, yeah. Well, oh, don't even get me started on the Force Awakens book because yeah. it is like the movie is so good. The movie is so perfectly tight and edited like it it just it moves you along from one thing to the next thing to the next thing to the next thing and and uh it's the it, i feel like it has the perfect pace um maybe it drags a little tiny bit in the in the mass canada stuff mm-hmm. where where you kind of like get to the point but but really like only for like five minutes right. so like really five minutes of a movie dragging is fine yeah but um then you like I'm listening to the audiobook and I haven't made it like I've listened to to like three hours of it and we haven't even made it off Jakku yet. Oh yeah. Because yeah. it's like rather than Ray just walking up and going like here's these things and then and then uh uh Unkar Plot being like, you know, these are a half portion and her being like they were a full portion yesterday and then I'm going, I'll buy the droid, sixty portions and then she goes no the droid's not for sale instead of that it's like a it's like a a 15 minute exchange of like uh, like they they uh they argue about it and Mm -hmm. they go back and forth and she haggles with him and like she asks what like there's like a whole conversation about why they're cheaper than they were before and like it it just it, it it it's it's fluff mm-hmm. it's not like you said like there's no extra content there's just like it's it's almost like like reading an unedited script mm-hmm. it's like that first script where like that first script was like was like a seven hour movie instead of being a nice tight two and 20 minutes right, right. that's what it is right <laughs> yeah um 215 i think but uh i i yeah, like it, it, it's all of the stuff that hit the cunning room floor as opposed to, um, I think what people want, which is if you read the original Star Wars A New Hope, there's there's a whole flashback scene uh, where Obi-Wan remembers the battle with Anakin, mm-hmm, right? right? Like he remembers fighting Darth Vader at the pit of a volcano. And it's like, that's information that you only got in the novel, if you hadn't read the novel, then you didn't know that. And then, like, so you don't understand in Revenge of the Sith that that wasn't a new idea. That, that's that been around as long as the movie has been around. Like, that was the original concept. Right. Um, that's how Vader got burned. That's how he got horribly scarred, right? And, and then Empire and Jedi have, likewise, they have additional scenes in... The books. I think that Return of the Jedi has the, the, um, the the dust storm in it, like in the book. I don't know because I've never read them, so I'm just like trying to remember. But like the, um, I'm pretty sure the uh, A New Hope novelization has the 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 Biggs exchange and mm. all that, right? Like, right. Um, I know at least the audio dramas do, which I believe the audio dramas are heavily based off of the novels. So, right. Um, but yeah, like they're 
they expand on the movie as opposed to the force awakens one which doesn't really seem to do that for me yeah i just and that's what i kind of go back to like this comic and and one day we'll see i mean it's only five issues and it's kind of adapted from so i'll I'll check it out and it's it's uh not something that i'm gonna stay away from just because i've heard some so-so stuff from Wendy. I'm going to check it out. It's, it's like I said, only five issues. What the heck? And the, the art looks pretty cool too. So uh, I'm, I'm down for it. I think it's supposed to come out in, I think they said June. So look for it yeah. actually fairly soon. So yeah. Uh, the last thing, and this is really not like Rebels related, but I just wanted to mention it real quick, Mike. And that's um, the Force Awakens was nominated. We got, here's the thing. We got the Oscars coming up uh, in a week or two or something like that. And The Force Awakens was nominated for five Academy Awards. And, mm-hmm. uh, of course, we know Star Wars' history with the Academy Awards and going all the way back to it getting snubbed as the best picture way back in, uh, when it was released in 77. Yeah. Uh, but uh, And then all the stuff with George and how him and the Academy never really saw it because he wanted to do things his way. But we're, on a new, yeah. we're in a new regime now. This is you know Lucasfilm, Disney. This is J.J. and... They got five nominations, Best Original Score, Best yep. Film Editing, Best Visual Effects, Best Sound Mixing, and Best Sound Editing. And I think the one that I think it has the best shot out of, of course, visual effects, it's got a yeah. good history in winning f- effects. Um, that's the one I think it has the best shot in. Of course, it's um, it's got a chance in all these, of course, but I think that is the biggest yeah. uh, chance it has at winning its visual effects. What do you think? I, I well, these nominations were really interesting to me because um, it 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 always bothers me every year, regardless of whether or not there's a Star Wars movie. Um, it always bothers me every year when you get to you get to the makeup category, uh, hair and makeup, and you get to the costume design, mm-hmm. and obviously, like. The uh, I believe the Phantom Menace was nominated for costume design, but I don't think that any of the other ones were, um, because obviously, Amidala was a big deal back then. Mm-hmm. It still annoys me. That's ninety percent of her characters or outfits. Yeah, really. Um, but I, I, but a movie like Star Wars, uh, it never ends up winning in those, in those I. Uh, those categories which i always just find to be like it's flabbergasting that's the only word for it like i'm just always like what what are you talking so because it always ends up being some period movie where they've Mm -hmm. you know painstakingly recreated the outfits of this era and it's like for me i don't know like yeah there's a lot of art in that um, there's a lot of art in 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 taking you know historical reference and creating costumes based on that historical reference. I understand that, but we're not talking about you know uh, uh, in my opinion when you say you know the Academy Award for costume the best costume design. We're not say it's not the Academy Award for best. Uh, historical reenactment costumes, mm-hmm. but that's what it always goes to. Right. If you're talking about costume design, you, like to me, like design is about creating something new, new and interesting exactly. that we've never seen before. Right. So, like, or or taking something that we know and love and and doing something new and exciting with it. So, um, 
one movie that jumps to mind for me is Man of Steel, where like there's a lot of things about Man of Steel that you can that you can gripe about. But that like the Kryptonian costume design, like Jor-El's armor is a work of art, right? Mm -hmm. Like Jor-El and Zod, like they have this great armor that's so intricate and it takes everything that you know about Superman, like the crest and, and, and the colors and the capes and everything. And it gives it this incredible, like high fantasy science fiction edge to it. And that deserves recognition, but it, it would never get recognition, right? Mm -hmm. And a movie like Star Wars, where you're taking, uh, you're taking familiar ideas and you're creating something wholly new with it. I mean, like, I personally, I think that, that Star Wars deserves an Academy Award for costume design just for the stormtroopers. Mm -hmm. Just for it, it the, like the fact that you can take. The idea of a stormtrooper, which is something that is like it's indelible, it's part of pop culture iconography, and you can make them new and exciting and even scarier than they were before. Like, because that stormtrooper mask, the helmet, when it was first sort of, uh, I, it, when it was first unveiled, basically, in, in, in A New Hope, and, and people first saw them, it was like, are they robots? Are they people? Like, like I don't understand. Like they're so mysterious and they're 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 scary and they're they're authoritative. And then by the end of it, it's kind of like, well, but they can be defeated by fuzzy little mm -hmm. teddy bears. So mm -hmm. they're obviously not that big of a deal. But then you come back in the Force Awakens, um, and informed by obviously the prequels and all of the clone trooper helmets. But you come back in The Force Awakens and you take that same concept and you bring it forward in 2015. And uh, and and all of the the advances in technology that we have for costume design, you put into a classic look, and you create a completely new stormtrooper, but it still evokes the same feeling, right? Mm -hmm. But like to me, those stormtrooper costumes, like I, they're they're more menacing than than the old ones were, mm -hmm. you know, and like the flame troopers and, and the, we never really saw the snow troopers in the movie, but we saw them, uh, in the, you know, toys and everything. But, uh, I, and then, and then Kylo Ren is, is another example of like, how do you top Darth Vader? Well, you don't top Darth Vader, but you come pretty damn close <laughs> yeah. with Kylo Ren, right? Yeah. Like, it's one of those things where, like, the first time you see it, you're like, I don't know about this. But the more you see it, the more you're like, yeah, that's Star Wars. Mm -hmm. Like, that's that's a new Darth Vader for a new generation, right? And and it 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 goes beyond anything that the prequels did, in my opinion. I mean, like, I like Count Dooku's design, but but really, I don't know. My the biggest thing about about the prequels for me is that I, the art books, if you look at them, they're full of incredible designs that didn't get used yeah, yeah. because George was like, no, no, we'll just do it the same as we did before. And it's like, uh, no, no episode three in particular, there were these great designs for the Jedi and for Anakin that, that showed that the Jedi had become something else over the course of the clone wars. And, like they were just left on the cutting room floor. They not even the cutting room floor. They didn't even make it that far. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Like they, and there's, there's just this great 
there's this great concept art of Plo Koon where he's got he's got the gauntlet with the double lightsabers and he's all like tattered and war torn and and uh, and there's a I think a sicey tin next to him that like he's missing one of his horns because it was obviously like it was it was damaged in a battle at some point and it showed that like the Jedi had evolved over the course of the Clone Wars. Um, but that's not what's in that movie. That movie is the same antiseptic, you know, they're all wearing pristine, you know, perfect robes, Mm -hmm. uh, when they're in the Jedi temple as they were before. So you're kind of like, what's the, like, you don't, you just, it's, it's a retrospective thing, but you don't get the sense that anything has changed. But anyway, that's a, that was a little bit of a, yeah. Well, you're talking about, you're talking about the costume stuff and look who, look who is nominated. It's Carol, Cinderella, the Danish girl, Mad Max and the Revenant, and you were talking about period yeah. pieces. Revenant's a period, oh, so you know it's what 1800s, yeah. I think. Uh, the Danish Girl, um, Cinderella, obviously is a cartoon, um, or yeah. was, but a but a period, but a period cartoon, cartoon right? yeah. And the Danish Girl, so yeah, I mean, you're not like you said, you're not creating a whole new thing. You're kind of going off yeah. of of history, yeah. And and even with that, like The Force Awakens was nominated for five Academy Awards. And none of it was for directing, acting, best picture, anything. And I, I have yeah. to say, like, I was listening to The Saga Continues, and and, and um, Tim made a good point. He goes, you know what? I, I'm surprised that there was there, there are allowed up to 10 nominees for best picture. Yeah. And I'm not saying it's it should be best picture, okay? But they, they nominated eight pictures for best yeah. picture. And, I, and he had a great point as far as, like, you know what? This movie was not only critically acclaimed, it was yeah. financially the third, or, you know, has the, it's the biggest domestic of all time. Yeah. It's number, I believe it's still number three right now with over two billion. Um, yeah. So could you not just put that in there as like, hey, you know, obviously it's not going to win, but just for, uh, just to nominate, just to get nominated, like, hey, for the feat yeah. you guys did for bringing back Star Wars after so long, um, and making it the biggest thing in, in, in 2015. And it's going to be obviously the biggest domestic probably forever now. I don't know. We'll see what, if anything can get close to it, but. Well, I mean, time's going to, time's going to bear it out, but, um, I, I think it would be foolish. Like here's, here's the thing. People forget this. People, people have very short memories. The reason why Avatar has such a big box office is because Avatar came out. It came out Christmas, whatever year that was, years I think ago. Two thousand nine, uh, yeah, yeah, something like that. And and it it obviously it smashed box offices right out the gate because it was the first real three D movie. Like it was the first one that really blew us all away right. with what three D could be. Um, it was obviously the, this incredible visual effects spectacle. Everybody had to see it. Everybody went and saw it. And then months later, after the heat had died down, they re-released it in theaters again. Which is something that, like, like they they stole from uh, Star from Star yeah. Wars. Because that was a Star Wars thing mm-hmm. of, like, Star Wars came out. And, I mean, that wasn't a Star Wars thing. That was an old school thing of, like, that was the way that, that movies... That was the lifespan of a movie. It was like it would come out and it would be a big deal. 
and then it would leave your first run theater and go into repertory cinemas. But then, you know, like it was like backed by popular demand, mm-hmm. right? Like people would be like, oh, but we want to see Star Wars again. So they would bring it back for another run. So Star Wars, uh, it came back in 78 again to the theaters. It was re-released into theaters in 78. And obviously, you know, home video didn't exist. Um, so so that was the only way that people could see it was in the theater. Mm-hmm. So um, I think Disney would be stupid, very stupid, to not, and I'd say, I'd say they've probably got another month or two, and like in in April or May to be like, yeah, we're bringing back Star Wars: The Force Awakens for like a for like a limited two week engagement. Mm-hmm. It'll be back in theaters. Yeah. So you know, like if it, like if you really want to see it in the theater again, it's back, right? right? right. Um, you know, for for the summer, like sort of thing, and you know, and and to do something like a like a Civil War, Force Awakens double bill, right? right? And be like, oh, you can go see these two movies back to back. Like this is like like this. We live in in the the golden age of 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 geek cinema. Uh, go see two of the biggest movies ever. Yeah. Um, but and 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 if they did that, if they did that, I guarantee you they would break the avatar box office right yeah now. for sure yeah and you could throw in because you'd have but yeah you well it would be it would probably be number three or number four that opening yeah weekend, right if you brought it back with enough fanfare it would it would be a big you deal. could throw a rogue one wow. trailer in front of it and uh yeah exactly you know. exactly like and that's the thing is that like i mean even you know what even if they waited until like september Right. Or like or August when things kind of die down with the movie, like the the summer blockbuster, I, I think because they don't have a Marvel movie in the middle of the summer this year. The Mar- second Marvel movie this year is in November. Mm-hmm. Doctor Strange doesn't come up till November. So so like hit August or or September and like September right right around uh, Force Friday. Oh, right? yeah. Yeah. Like even I mean, that would be the perfect day to do it is be like it's back for two weeks starting Force Friday. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, and you would you would just you you would dominate in that space, Mm -hmm. I think. I mean, in September, I think it could even have a chance of being number Mm -hmm. one for that weekend. again, Yeah, because because who of us like if it were back in the theater, would you not go? I would go. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I don't think they would. I mean, it's still in the theater right now. I'm contemplating going after we're done recording. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because I'd like to see it again, but <laughs> yeah, I can't wait for it. the the. We still don't have a Blu-ray release date, which drives me nuts. They had some they had some talk anyway. about the Blu-ray. It's going to be three discs, but I don't know. If we're exactly sure on the day. They said April, but we'll see. Yeah, April fifth is the date that's been thrown yeah. out there before, but it's getting closer and closer, and they still haven't confirmed yeah. it. So. Yeah, I'm just saying, like as far as the Academy Awards, and I'll finish with this. Like, if Mad yeah. Max can be nominated for Best Picture, which I loved it, yeah. don't, don't get me wrong, but yeah. I mean. That's the same thing as The Force Awakens. Throw that in there too. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I, it's just it's just funny how that works. But hey, cool. It like it really is, right? And while you're at it, throw Jurassic World in there yeah. because Jurassic World, like both, like all three of those movies are remakes to a certain extent of their original mm-hmm. franchise, but they're relaunches of those original franchises. Right. Right. Like they they served the same purpose, all three of those movies, which was to like bring back something from 
from the you know from from a, a bygone era of a past era of film and uh and and reinvigorate it and give it a new give the franchise a new spin and new right. legs and they've all done that because like they're they're gonna make another mad max movie and they're gonna make more jurassic world movies and obviously uh, i posted a joke on yeah Facebook i saw that <laughs> saying like does anybody know if they're gonna make any more of these star war movies yeah. I, I really like the last one yeah i saw and, that got a lot of funny comments <laughs> on it but i uh, because like yeah obviously they're making more star wars but um that's funny but yeah like it i mean like mad max is a, is is definitely an accomplishment oh um, for sure like yeah. that's that's a that's a rough movie yeah. to make but man for me honestly i feel like jj deserves something for doing the impossible yeah, Again. and that's the problem. Like this, they don't realize. Like I said, this for ever since they started this thing, and they found out that JJ yeah. was just like, "Do you understand the the pressure that is on this guy to bring this franchise?" Yeah back again with the legacy cast the new cast yeah. and after the prequels it's just crazy and yeah and i don't know like you said just something to recognize what what he did yeah. it's just like but you know what i guess you can re realize what he did with the box office like okay i guess i did well that's yeah. the thing is that like i mean I, the 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 academy is all politics yeah. and it's obnoxious and at the end of the day I think we all know that The Force Awakens is a successful movie. Right. Right. Yeah. That's what you could take away. And I think we all know that, like, like J.J. is, he will be um, a legend in the Star Wars fan community for decades to come. Because, uh, you know, George may be the maker and he might be the one who created it. Uh, but it's funny because he's also kind of the destroyer because <laughs> he was also the one... Yeah who who takes a lot of heat in a lot of people's eyes and in the general public's eye took what star wars was and and kind of bastardized it right like kind of just um the cashed in however they want to see it i mean like it's i the, these things are true to varying degrees but um you know like you 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 then get jj coming in and it's almost it's all like it's the second coming of Star Wars, right? Like it's 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 a it's a whole new era, and it's it's only as good as it is, I think, in in large part to to JJ Lawrence Kasdan and Kathleen Kennedy. Like there's a there's a holy trinity of of forces that come together to make the Force Awakens, I I what it is, and and to relaunch Star Wars into this new era. Um, as strong as it is not to take anything away from from uh, from Dave Filoni but I feel like Dave Filoni is is he's still banging the old drum a little bit mm -hmm. and uh, and I it'll be interesting to see when Rebels is done what he yeah does for sure that's a, and that's one of the big questions is like oh is he, are they yeah. going to give him a chance to try something we'll see he's still got plenty of stuff to do in Rebels and we like what he's doing here so yeah, for sure. speaking of that you want you want to get into the recap yeah, let's oh, do it. All right, let's do it. To defeat your enemy, 
You have to understand them. Everywhere we go, we run into those guys. He's sending us reinforcements. Sham Sindura, at your service. You're a princess. I feel like because I can fight, I have to. The Jedi are growing in their power. My gut tells me this is a trap. Is it wrong for me to fight? Growing your abilities are... You should have seen him in person. He was my master. The dark side. It pulls at him. Call me... Old Master. Hang on! I hate it when she says that. Ezra, don't! Ahsoka, why did you leave? Let's kick it off, Mike, with Homecoming. Phoenix Squadron is on the run from the Empire, desperately trying to transfer cargo to a transport. Aboard the Ghost, Zeb completes the mission and the transport makes the jump to light speed. But not all Rebel ships were so lucky. Ties blast an A-Wing before it can dock with the command ship. The remaining ships escape in hyperspace. They're losing ships and pilots so, uh, too fast. Even if they don't have a base, they still need somewhere to land their fighters. Commander Sato suggests stealing an Imperial ship orbiting Ryloth. So, Mike, we start off, uh, we jump right into the action here on this episode. We see this mm -hmm. one um, Alderanian cruiser that they got from Leia a few episodes ago. And you have the ghost there, and it looks like a blockade runner and, uh, and another A-wing. And I was just wondering, like, Rook, just right from the beginning, is this the cargo? Is this the fuel stuff? Or is this totally separate? Um, they didn't explain it. I just thought... That would have been a nice tie-in, like, oh, they got the fuel, and now we're, they're delivering it to, yeah. um, which I thought maybe it was. I don't know. They never really said, but I, that's just one of the questions I had in this, in this beginning part. And another thing that hit me, too, was, like, Phoenix 2 gets just destroyed trying, you know, she can't get into hyperspace, and uh, the Empire takes her out real quick. And this is, goes back to the limited resources. I mean, they have nothing, and they have this blockade runner, this new ship that they just got from Leia, and then, you know, the, obviously the ghost and one, they had one fighter with them. It looked like I, I couldn't really tell from the yeah. rest, but it looked like just one fighter and, you know, she gets blasted out of the sky. So the resources like they talked about, and, and again, it's showing it here how low they are on resources. And uh, I don't know, Mike, what do you think at the beginning here? Yeah, it, uh, it. I mean, we kind of start off as most episodes of Rebels do in space, in the middle of a space battle. Right. Yeah. Um, we don't really know the context too much, but I, yeah, you could assume that, that possibly it's yeah. them. Yeah. You know, transferring some of that fuel or yeah, just any. I mean, it. it I think the the thing is that it's not important what it was. It's just important what happens, right? Right. Um. So. Yeah. I. I. Obviously, it's a real problem that they had that they they don't they don't have a base. That's the key right um, there. That was the big thing coming out of this out of this beginning. This episode yeah. was they have nowhere to call home. Yeah. So yeah, um, go ahead. especially not since they lost the command ship. I I back at the beginning of the season, right? Right. Um, they had they did have that larger uh, version of the Tantive. They they had a docking bay that the that the A wings were docked into, but that got blown up, 
right? They had to abandon ship and and uh, and and run. And so, like that, that's like if you actually if you kind of go back, like and and it's 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 kind of it feels like it's been a really long season, um, mm-hmm. even though it kind of it hasn't, right? But it just feels like that was forever ago, because uh, so much has happened. But if you kind of if you if you piece it out and you sort of look at the way that it's gone for the rebels for for Phoenix Squadron, um, they've had a rough go of it. Like they, it's it's been it's been pretty tricky for them. Right. Um, even though even though you know like they they've had some great moments. It's it's actually been more harrowing than not. Um, mm-hmm. And ever since they lost that command ship, they're basically on the run. It's a lot like when. Uh, the rebels had to abandon Yavin, and and you know until they found Hoth, they were just going from system to system, and and that really drains your resources, right? Um, so, really, like the important thing in this episode is that they need that that command ship, right? Uh, right. The that the that the bombers are on that will that will kind of talk about i mean i guess that's kind of at the end of this this first chunk is that there's a there's an imperial ship orbiting ryloth that's kind of like a really big wide flat star destroyer but the important part is that underneath it it has i uh, it has three uh docking bays right 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 for for launching fighters and uh and that's exactly what phoenix squadron needs so well that's the thing that's the thing is as you said about a Yavin, they don't, like I said, yeah. they don't have a home. And unlike, you know, when they actually, around the Star Wars, um, the New Hope time frame, you know, they have, yeah. a, they have the Yavin, they had the Dantween, which they were on before. They had a home base, a place where they can land and, and regroup and strategize. And, you know, they had that on Hoth as well. They don't have that yeah. right now. And so they're looking for anything to give them some kind of a, uh, some type of a home. And, and again somewhere to land these fighters and to regroup and strategize and all that thing so that's the big thing uh coming out of this beginning uh go ahead mike you want to continue uh harris seems troubled and contacts her father we need to talk she says coldly cham syndulla harris father and clone wars legend arrives to meet the rebels kanan is particularly nervous to meet him he introduces numa and gobi two of his finest warriors finally they move on to the briefing same as always. Why? No reason. You straighten up a little bit. You're making me look bad. What's the matter with you? Nothing. Just calm down. You calm down. It's been a long time, Father. <sighs> you must be the Jedi I've heard about. Jarrus. Kanan Jarrus. I've <clears throat> heard a lot about you too, sir. This is the rest of our crew. Ezra, Sabine, and Zeb. A fine group of fighters. Sham Sindula, at your service. The Liberator of Ryloth. I studied your Clone War tactics at the Academy. Oh, yes. The Empire is still trying to figure out how to beat me. These are two of my finest warriors. Numa and Gobi. Well, we should get to the briefing. There's a lot to do. And I'll tell you what, Mike, you said it uh, last week. Such a great scene. And like you said, anyone who's who's met the parents of a significant, significant other 
knows exactly what what Kanan's going through. And uh, I tell you what, was such a funny scene. Like you said, they, he's introducing the rest of the crew, and he's getting all the names wrong and everything like that. So, um, just I had to play that because it's such a funny scene. And and listening into it, you can kind of visualize what he was doing. And it, oh man, so funny. And uh, I don't know. You know, here's another thing too. Like Sabine, and when she was at the academy. She, I guess, you know, Sham, uh, Cham is kind of like a legend in, in tactics yeah. and they even talk about yeah. him in the Academy. So I thought that was a kind of an interesting, uh, interesting thing to, uh, to hear from Sabine. Uh, this is one of your favorite scenes though, huh, Mike? Yeah. Yeah. This, uh, I, I really liked the, when, when Star Wars sort of brings it back to reality a little bit, right. Yeah. Sort of, sort of grounds it. And, and the fact that. Kanan can take on inquisitors and uh, and you know he's survived an encounter with the dark lord the sith and yet this is what he's afraid of yeah. right is is <laughs> yeah. uh, is making a bad impression yeah. on Hera's father um it's it's funny that that the the composed jedi you know what it reminds me of it reminds me of the scene in in uh, attack of the clones when obi-wan and anakin are in the elevator on their way up to Padme's yeah, for the right. first time. Right. And, and, uh, and Obi-Wan looks over and he's like, relax, <laughs> you're sweating, yeah, like, yeah. calm down. It's fine. You're, um, and, and then they walk in and Anakin immediately just starts saying all of the wrong things. Right. right um, yeah. and, uh, and, and it's a, it's a, it's a it's a good funny there's some funny moments in there yeah for sure for sure she and 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 obviously we'll get into a second here uh well shoot we get numa i mean we saw numa back in uh she's the liberty of ryloth series back in cleveland uh, season Mm -hmm. one as well as of course chan was making his big big return here and um you know she spent a lot of time uh, numa actually was she was the one that was with waxer and boyle at the very uh like i said that there was a great scene with them and them following her around and stuff like that. So she's made it all the way through to past the Clone Wars and all that. So uh, I guess there's a couple of things I want to say about Sham, but I'll, I'll save it for a minute here. I'll continue. They'll, uh, they'll use a stolen TIE bomber to get on board. One team will secure the hangar. The other team will secure the bridge. Sham, however, wants none of this. He wants the ship destroyed. My people need to see it fall from the sky in flames as a symbol of our strength, he says. But Hera is adamant. They'll, they'll work, they'll, they will work together to follow her plan. And Sham ultimately agrees. So the thing here is, and they talk about this in the behind the scenes, is that you know, ever since he fought with Mace Windu to, to liberate Ryloth, um, he's, he's been like a freedom fighter, right? And then you come all the way to this point, and now he's been fighting, you know, the Galactic um, Republic turns into the Galactic Empire and they occupy Ryloth. So yeah. now he's been fighting the Empire now this whole time. And he's just like, he's just gotten to a point where he's just fed up. He's tired. He's been fighting this war for a long time. And he just wants his people to see the symbol of the Empire, you know, blowing because him and Hera have this obviously vastly different ideas of how they're going to use this. Um, if they can capture this cruiser, how they're going to use it. You know, Sham wants to blow the thing up so the whole the whole Ryloth can see it and kind of get inspired. And she wants yeah. to use it in a different way. So there's this, there's this um, you know, 
fighting over how they're going to use it, and that's how he wants to use it. And I'll just have to say, too, before we go on, um, if there isn't any other clue that Hera, and, and I forgot to mention this earlier, Hera and Kanan are a thing, this has got to turn everybody, because I know there are a lot of people like, no, I don't think they're a thing. I, I've, we've kind of debated this for a long time, Mike, and I think both of us have thought they were an item long ago. And for me, oh, yeah. for me, this just totally cements it that they're they got something going on here. I just wanted—I yeah. forgot to mention that earlier, but uh, <clears throat> yeah. Go ahead, Mike. You wanted. To... Uh, later, Ezra asks Hera what's going on between her and her father. She explains they haven't spoken in years. After Hera's mother was killed in the resistance against the Empire, he became obsessed with the freedom of Ryloth, caring about little else. When Cham arrives, they have a heated discussion. Hera's Rylothian accent returning, about the value of the Rebellion. Cham doesn't care about anyone else, he only cares about Ryloth. Despite this deep-rooted tension, they move forward with the plan. They arrive as the Empire's bombers head for the surface, leaving the ship more vulnerable. The A-Wings move out, and Kanan sends a distress signal in the stolen bomber. They need this to look good, so the A-Wings blast the rear of the stolen bomber. Hera expertly moves toward the Imperial hangar and crash lands. The plan is working, but it's about to change. So, um, the, the, the argument here is really interesting mm-hmm. because uh, Hera has one perspective on, on what the right thing to do is, and obviously uh, Cham has a different one. Right. And I, uh, I, there's, there's a, there, this, this I think is the best example yet that we've gotten that the rebellion is not the rebel alliance yet. Right. Right. Um, that somewhere out there, you know, you've got, you've got Bail Organa and Mon Mothma and uh, Garmbel Iblis and, and others <clears throat> that uh, they, they are trying to unite these factions but but they're not yet they aren't yet the alliance to restore the republic right mm-hmm. um there right now it, there are there are rebel cells there are pockets of resistance um and obviously Cham and his and the rest of his freedom fighters on Ryloth they're they are uh not part of the rebellion and they have no interest in being a part of the rebellion. Mm. They'll use the rebellion to their advantage, but they're not members of it. And I think, and I think after the events of an episode like this, that starts to come together a little bit more, you know, like uh, uh, at least Ryloth starts to see the value in working together and as opposed to uh, trying to to save themselves on their own but he he's very prideful and he was he was a little bit obnoxious in the clone wars so this is very in keeping yeah. keeping with character True. um he was very very proud and boastful then as well mm-hmm. um sort of like implying oh we don't need the jedi's help we don't need the republic we can do this on our own mm-hmm. um and obviously, you know, the Republic ends up helping a great deal and they, they liberate Ryloth, um, but they liberate Ryloth only to find it under occupation years later by the Empire, right? So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. It, it's, it's interesting to see because he's kind of, he has this history and we know the history and we've seen the history. So we can 
appreciate where he's coming from. But at the end of the day, Hera has a much larger perspective. And I think, um, I think actually of all of the rebels that we've met so far in this, like at this point in time, that, that there are few with the per- same perspective that Hera has. Mm-hmm. And I think it's one of her the, the greatest strengths of her character. And an episode like this that really focuses on her, we get to see it. Um, she's a lot like Leia in that she doesn't just do this for her own... Uh, uh, her own... Like her home ideals, sort of like the, the ideals of her home planet. Right. She does this for the greater freedom of the galaxy. Right. And in fact, she puts herself and her the people that she cares about and and like this is both Hera and Leia, they they put their home worlds in in peril by being so outspoken and so right. um, rebellious, right? I mean, like Leia, she kind of talked about that in in a Princess on Lothal that that you know they have to they have to operate a certain way so that it doesn't come back on Alderaan. Mm-hmm. But what happens? Yeah. Right? Alderaan gets blown up by the Death Star because, like, it's so great because it's so informed by Star Wars Rebels now that Tarkin, he's not just, he's not just doing that to, um, to target Leia. Alderaan's been a thorn in their side for a long time. They've just never been able to make anything yeah. stick. Yeah. We've seen it, seen and, it in this series, in this season. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and and it's sort of like now when you watch that scene, and and Tarkin turns around and he goes, "You may fire when ready." Right? It's like, well, he's this isn't just for Leia's actions in stealing the plans to the Death Star. This is for everything she's ever done, mm-hmm. for all of the transports that she's let fall into Rebel hands, and it's it's now it's obvious that she's been working with the Rebellion the whole time, and so. Alderaan's going to pay the price for that because Alderaan is 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 obviously supplying the rebellion, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so a, a strike against Alderaan is a strike against the Rebel Alliance. So, um, yeah, and and I think and I think that that Hera is a very similar character in that respect, and so it'll be interesting to see where that goes. Yeah, and if there are consequences to her actions, you know, like does. Uh, we talked about it last week. Do, do their actions on Ryloth in this episode, will those bring harsher uh, climates for for Ryloth, Ryloth yeah. in the future, right? right? Yeah. Because, you know, they had the, this bomber and maybe a, a couple of cruisers, but now there might be a full blockade, mm-hmm. right? And, and is it going to be more difficult for for Ryloth or is it going to get better and and I really think like in the galaxy as a whole like the the light's not totally gone at this point but by the time that we hit Empire Strikes Back the light's gone Mm -hmm. right I mean you can see it just in that movie just in in the color palette like it's a very dark movie yeah even it's so odd it's so odd even on Hoth where everything's white there's still this weird darkness and it's it's the way that the movie's shot with that high contrast Mm -hmm. that like it's still even even though it's bright white everything seems dark and heavy Mm -hmm. right and i think like the point of that is that that's the galaxy at that at that point in time um 
and it gets it's it gets darkest as they say darkest right before the dawn mm-hmm. right and uh, and and that movie ends and then we start return of the jedi and and it's that's the dawn of the new republic but um it's we're not quite there yet then and i think that the actions of the rebellion are going to bring that darkness out mm-hmm. because uh the more they fight the more the empire is going to um expand its presence across the galaxy because it feels that it needs to yeah right well you know it's you said you talked about the kind of the similarities between leia and hera and and you're right because in this particular scenes right here we're talking about there's a lot of stuff going on and one of the things was coming out of this was like i noticed that you know cham feels like he's talking to hera and he feels like he deserted or she deserted him um at some point and her thing is, you know what? The rebels are fighting to free everyone. And Cham, he basically only cares about Ryloth. And that's the difference between the two. And that's kind of what caused their, their falling out at this point. Um, so yeah. that's, a, that's a great point you made about uh, Hera and Leia. Like she wants, she's like fighting for everybody. That's why she joined the rebels. And, but I mean, it's so much other stuff going on in this. I mean, we find out that Hera's mother was killed as part of this resistance throughout the years. And of course, that's going to jade uh, Cham's feelings and make him a little harder, a little more vengeful. Uh, and then we also I did a real quick scene about Cham. He uh, he goes, it sounds like Chopper is from the Clone Wars, because he he tells yeah. Hera, hey, uh, you didn't you get that droid way back in the Clone Wars? And she kind it was kind of like a quick thing, but I was like, oh wait, so we kind of know where Chopper came from then. I don't know, you, you got that right? Yeah, and and I feel like uh, I uh, we've got we have. Um... Um, oh, what's the title of the next? Episode? Yeah, it's it's some about tip my it's some about. Um, obviously, it's about uh, Chopper. It sounds like. It's... Well, no, the the next one is the one about. Zeb oh right, and Zeb and Callus, Callus. Right, but after that, it sounds like the next two episodes. Two, right, yeah. Are are the origin of Chopper? Yeah. So, because um, one of them's Chopper Base or something right. like that. Something about Chopper yeah. Base, but I. Uh, yeah, so I'm yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to 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 it's funny, it's it's a weird thing where like you don't really think about a droid's origin story until until you're about to get it, mm-hmm. right? Um and uh and you know, we obviously know we know where uh R2 and 3PO come mm-hmm. from, but we don't know where Chopper comes from. We don't yet know where BB-8 comes from. We kind of, you know, he he there's a little bit of right. that um obviously that he's posed droid but um you don't think of the droids in that way as having origin stories until it's like oh yeah and this is the first time that r2d2 was a you know a hero right. was in the phantom menace right and this <laughs> yeah. is an anakin skywalker built c-3po right. uh which is one <clears throat> of the most obnoxious things about the phantom menace but it actually like there's a really cool there's a cool comic i, I think i've probably mentioned it before where it shows vader on Cloud City, uh, uh, and after the stormtroopers blast three uh, PO uh, into a million pieces, uh, there's a there's a moment of of an Imperial officer being like, "What what do we what should we do with it? Should we should we reassemble it and and uh, you know try and get any information out of this out of the 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 droid that the rebels might have or or send it to the incinerator?" And there's just this great shot of Vader with 
3PO's head and he just like sort of holds it to his helmet um, because it's this piece of Anakin Skywalker. And then obviously we know that 3PO ends up in the incinerator because Vader's just like, get rid yeah. of it. Yeah. Right. Um, so it'll be cool to get more on Chopper's uh, Chopper's origin. But it it what we get here is the beginning of his origin, which is that clearly um, Hera as a child started putting Chopper together, which is why Chopper is Chopper, yeah, yeah. right? Um, why he has all of his little quirks and idiosyncrasies and why he gets away with what he gets away yeah. with. I'm gonna. I'll continue here. I just have to say though too about uh, this. Yeah. As they get into the, um, they use the tie bomber as like this ruse, right? Like this tro- Trojan yeah. horse thing. And I gotta say, like, it's not a bad plan, but holy crap, is this kind of risky? Because not only do you have the A wings coming in, they have to, they have yeah. to like shoot and miss you, but but hit you so they don't actually blow you up, but just kind of cripple you. And then not only that, but the aliens have to get out of there and avoid some of the Empire's retaliation. Wow. I mean, that's I mean, that's how far they have to go to make this plan work. And it's really risky, but it, they were actually able to pull it off. It's just I thought the uh, the plan was like, wow, they're pulling out all the stops just to get this ship and, and sacri- potentially sacrificing more A-wing pilots and A-wings. So uh, they actually make it on those. Sandula's men stun Ezra, Zeb, and Sabine, and Cham stuns Kanan and Chopper. We only needed your help to get on board, he says. He's going forward with his plan to destroy the Imperial ship. Cham cuffs his daughter and exits the downed bomber. He wakes up, uh, Hera wakes up Chopper, who undoes her binders. One by one, the rest of the team comes to. Hera says they'll finish their mission. First, they have to stop her father. Cham's his, uh, Cham makes his way to the ship. Numa alerts him to the rebels' presence. He orders her to set the charges, and he will deal with his daughter. Meanwhile, Kanan and Ezra head toward the bridge, force pushing all in their way, force pushing their way in, and uh, throwing each other through the closing blast doors. I gotta say, I thought this was one of the coolest scenes uh, in a long time, showing the yeah. the ability and the different things that you can do with the force. It's not only just you, but a team of, of Jedi who can, it was just so cool seeing them use each other's momentum, kind of whiplashing each, uh, you know, whipping each other through the corridor faster than they both yeah. could. Cause obviously they couldn't force run it. I'm not sure why, maybe just because of the doors are, are closing or whatever, but what a cool scene yeah. that was, Mike. Oh, it's so good. And, and the thing about it that I love is that, um, they remind me of Anakin and Obi-Wan in this because Anakin and Obi-Wan in, in uh, revenge of the Sith and constantly in clone wars, they, they didn't need to communicate. They didn't need to talk. Mm -hmm. Right. Like they, they knew what the other one was thinking. So like there would be like a, a ready. Okay, go. Right. Like that sort of thing. And it's the same sort of thing here where it's like the two of them, just know instantly what the other one is doing because of their connection through the force. So they just like, Oh, it is so good. It's such a good moment. It is definitely my favorite moment of this episode. And it's a standout moment for the series so far where you just see these two Jedi master and apprentice, and they're just so connected. It's going to be really heartbreaking when whatever happens with Darth Maul. Yeah. And, and, and uh, Ezra starts to fall to the dark side. That's going to be, it's going to be <laughs> yeah. tough, but it's, yeah, for sure. 
It's going to be interesting. Yeah, yeah, too, great so. scene. Like a... That's speculation, by the way, people. That's not spoilers. <laughs> yeah, um, quantify that there. Uh, go ahead, Mike. We'll keep going. <clears throat> uh, they reach the bridge. The captain has already called for reinforcements, so they don't have much time to lose. Kanan uses the opportunity to sneak in some training for Ezra. Ezra attempts a Jedi mind trick. It doesn't work at first, but soon he has the captain ordering a full-scale evacuation of the ship. Kanan, do your thing. Actually, Ezra, you take this one. Okay. Okay, I got this. I got this. You're going to abandon ship. I will not abandon my ship. You are going to abandon ship. We are going to abandon ship. The fire in Hangar Bay 3 is out of control. Abandon ship. Get to the escape pods. Uh, I really mean it. This is the captain. should get going. Not bad for your first time. All right, Hera, we're on the clock. Get us out of here. The bridge is secure. What's your status? Oh, the usual. But Sabine has a plan of sorts. Yeah, sort of a great plan. So obviously, uh, I picked this clip because it's just funny to hear, you know, Ezra try to use the mind trick and it doesn't work at first but he is able to do it and it's kind of funny like he's this is showing like somebody's entry into trying to and he's done this before using a mind trick and it's contrasted by like when you see obi-wan and a new hope do it to the stormtroopers just like you don't need to see his he doesn't go overboard it's just a couple lines you don't have to do a lot but here is here is ezra and he thinks he has to like do everything like tell him exactly yeah. and tell him to do it twice and no i really mean it this time you know kind of that thing where you don't have to go that far but he's still learning you know all you have to do is just say a couple lines and and or do a couple of tricks uh just tell him what you want to do and go you don't have to keep going over and over and over again but he's learning and he was able to do it on the second try so i thought it was kind of funny to to, to showcase um just a different how how somebody's starting to learn how to do it and then you get to somebody like Obi-Wan who's done it for so long and he's so good at it that it only takes a couple yeah. of lines. What do you think, Mike? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I was just laughing and it made me chuckle. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, Obi-Wan, for him, it's it's second nature, right? I mean, he just, especially yeah. on Stormtroopers, on Imperials, it's, it's they're, they're, um I think that there's a connection there. If you're willing to follow uh, orders... Uh, in uh, you know in a in a corrupt system like the empire you must be pretty suggestible mm-hmm. right. right um you're you're obviously you you're falling for propaganda so um so yeah imperials are probably extra uh, uh susceptive yeah. to it yeah. you know um yeah. yeah whereas you know you look at like job of the hut and it's like yeah mind tricks aren't going to work on him you look at Watto, mind tricks don't work mm-hmm. on him because they're they're independent thinkers right. Right, they have strong wills of their right. own. Yeah, so, uh, I just wonder. Like, it makes me wonder how long does a trick last? Because, you know, he he gives them the, the what he wants them to do, and the and the, the imperial just kind of runs out and he's gone. So, how long does this does this trick actually go 
And I, I guess I never really thought about it. You know, it's like when Obi-Wan did it, he was able to get past. And does it wear off after a few minutes? I guess we really don't know. I, well, and when when Obi-Wan does it to the to the uh, Elam Sleazebagana, yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, on uh, on uh, in the cantina in, in uh, Attack of the Clones. He says, I want, like, you want to go home and rethink yeah. your life. And he's like, I want to go home and rethink my So I don't think that it goes away. Uh-huh. Like, I don't think that it has a duration. I think that depending on the nature of the suggestion. I, yeah, that's it right there. Yeah, right. It might it might stick there forever, right? And, and like, because because Obi Wan doesn't say to him like you you don't want to sell death sticks anymore. You want to go open a I don't know a droid repair shop, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's not like he he's not specific, and I think that that's the thing about Obi Wan's suggestions that make them so convincing right. is that is that they're just they're general. I uh, like like you don't need to see his identification. Move mm-hmm. along, right? And so. Um, the uh, along with just his regular subterfuge of like, like where did you get these droids? Oh, or how long have you had these droids? Oh, we've had them for a few seasons. They're up for sale if you want them. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like that's, and that's just that's just Obi Wan being generally sneaky and a liar. Uh, Obi Wan's a very yeah. good liar. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's funny. There's a lot of things in the Jedi code, but there's nothing about lying. Uh, and uh, and yeah. so Obi Wan takes advantage. Yeah, of I think you're right, though. It's um, it's it's about this what the particular suggestion yeah. is. Yeah. So yeah, so Ezra is being very specific with like the get to your ships and stuff like that, and so he's just kind of parroting it. But Obi Wan obviously has much more nuance and subtlety mm-hmm. in his in his um suggestion uh, suggestion yeah, sure. yeah that makes a lot of sense uh back in the hangar sabine has a plan remote controlling a captured mouse droid outfitted with the charge she takes out numa and gobi cham arrives at the bridge blaster drawn he's deactivated the hyperdrive they're not going anywhere uh, i must d- destroy the ship for ryloth he says hera employs her father the battle against the empire can't be won on ryloth alone the rebellion is no different than the war he's fighting. Gobi and Numi, listening through a calm, say they are with Hera. Cham seems to soften and acquiesces to his daughter. Uh, the reinforcements have arrived. Ties and a shuttle carrying heavily armed stormtroopers approach. Kanan, Ezra, Zeb, and Sabine take to the gunners and blast the Imperial craft before they can do any damage. It's not over yet, however. The bombers have returned. Four launch torpedoes toward, uh, sorry, toward the giant Imperial ship, and Hera takes evasive action. They blast them as they near, though the bombers land some direct hits, and the cruiser loses its stability. Hera struggles to keep the craft from heading into a nosedive. Finally, Cham grabs the controls with her, and together they right the ship. Still, there's more to be done. A light cruiser is closing in. Sabine and Cham head to the hangar and find another bomber. They plant Cham's explosives in the cockpit, and Ezra force pushes it out. The bomber drifts listlessly toward the Imperial ship, getting closer and closer. Right before impact, Cham blasts it, creating a massive explosion. The cruiser falls toward the surface, defeated. I thought it was really cool, because earlier in the episode, when... um, when when Gobi and Numa, I uh, betray them mm-hmm. at first. I uh, 
Zeb's about to shoot, and and Sabine's like, "Don't, don't fire! You'll if you hit one of those proton torpedo, uh, proton bombs, it'll set off a chain reaction, and you'll blow up the whole magazine, which destroy the whole mm-hmm. ship." And then they bring that back here because when they when they make contact, like when they hit the the cruiser, it it's a direct hit on the cruiser's I I bomb magazine right. and it and it starts a chain reaction that goes all through up the side throughout the side of this ship right. right like you see it you see it like just go boom 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 and like it just follows all the way through the ship and and really like heavily damages it which i which which i thought was really cool because it was like a they set it up earlier in the episode and i rebels and clone wars don't really do that very right. often like that's a that's a pretty standard movie uh trick mm-hmm. right um but i uh, but but they didn't they didn't really they don't really do that in star wars very often there's not a lot of like oh we mentioned this earlier so that we can pay it right. off later right right it's it's much more uh straightforward than mm-hmm. that i i things just kind of happen because they happen in star wars yeah most of the time. right but I, I, yeah, it. I thought it was really, I thought it was really cool that they brought that back from early. Yeah, and and obviously one of the climaxes of this particular scene here was seeing uh, Cham, you know, help yeah. Hera out and kind of realizes, yeah. you know, maybe he was wrong, and uh, he actually got what he wanted too. Was you know he got a cruiser, um, you know, imperial. I guess you can call it destroy. I don't know if they're called star destroyers yet. Are they star destroyers? I guess so. Um, kind of blow up, and and he got that symbol for his like that beacon that he wanted earlier for his people on on Ryloth. But another part, another great scene here was um, seeing Ezra use his uh, force ability again to to push. And here's the thing: like we've seen Yoda, you know, Luke had a hard time obviously pulling the the X wing out of the swamp. And here is Ezra at a, such a young age. And again, I mean, there was no gravity, so it, it was obviously easier than, than pulling an X-Wing out of a swamp. But still, he's able to push a giant, you know, a TIE bomber from the bay there and out into, yeah. which is, I thought, wow, that's a pretty pretty strong use of the Force, though. That's one of my uh, favorite parts of this show, too, was seeing him and some of the stuff he was doing. Uh, I'll finish it up, Mike. Uh, the Rebels return to the fleet with their new ship, with A-Wing docks, uh, docked in its hangar, Cham reports that all over Ryloth, his people are rallying against the Empire. Um, he takes out a moment, he takes a moment to speak to his daughter alone. Cham says he was heartbroken when Hera left, but now understands that she is like her mother, a dreamer. I'm proud of you, Captain Sundula, he says, and returns home. I'm getting reports from all over Rhinos. Our people are rallying against the Empire. Every hour, more join our ranks. Glad to hear it, sir. Daughter, may we speak? When you left, I was heartbroken. But now I understand. You're like your mother. She was once a dreamer, too. But I learned to be a leader by watching you. So, Micah, this small fledgling rebel group has gained another ally, it looks like, here on Ryloth and, and Cham, and it was good to see them to kind of 
uh, makeup and and him realize that she's yeah. she's I guess part of both of them. Obviously, she's a great leader, but she also has the convictions of her mother, who's um, wants yeah. greater good for for the galaxy. So cool episode. Um, I uh, it was cool seeing them bring back somebody we haven't seen in Cham and geez, season yeah. one. Wow, you know, yeah, of, of Clone season Wars, one finale. <laughs> yeah. which was years yeah. and years and years ago. So it was a really cool episode, man. Uh, I liked it. Um, great moments, like I said, in these last three or four or five episodes had some great moments in it. So would you? Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it, it had some good moments. I think overall it was a bit of a slow episode mm-hmm. for me. Um, I and, and I don't know. I mean, I really enjoyed last week. So yeah, right. um, I don't think that anything could have kind of come off of that and uh, and and gotten me too much. But um, yeah, I, it was good to see some of Hera's backstory. It was good to get a little bit of the of the history there. It was cool to have a clone, another Clone Wars connection, which has kind of been the overall theme this season. Yeah, and it's true. not going to stop, yeah. right. right? Because Darth Maul coming back is obviously a very very strong clone wars type yeah. so um so yeah and obviously ahsoka uh, and whatever happens with her invader so um so yeah i don't know I, like i i look this episode was was good it wasn't a bad episode it was just a little slow for me i uh, next week i'm very excited yeah speaking of yeah let's do that <laughs> yeah. um next time on star wars rebels it is entitled the honorable ones and i've been curious about this episode ever since we uh we got the, the name of it, and uh, Zeb and Agent Callus find themselves stranded on an ice planet after a failed Imperial ambush of the Rebels. With Callus injured from the escape pod crash, he and Zeb must work, to, uh, work together to survive the harsh conditions. So check out this clip for next week. <laughs> You're expecting your Rebel friends to come to your rescue. Your friends fled. If anyone finds us, it'll be the Empire, and you will be captured. Well, that's not gonna happen. That's not happening either. It'll be night soon. Don't tell me you're afraid of the dark. It's not just going to get dark. It's going to get colder. Too cold for this to keep us warm. And here I thought Geonosis was a desert planet. (laughs) That is Geonosis. We are on one of its moons. Ah! How is it that you have bested me even once? Oh, get a sense of humor, Agent. Aha, well, look what we got coming next week, my man. I'm really, like I said, I've been really excited about the scene these two yeah. interact. It looks like it might be a lot of this episode. It's just them two. Uh, I hope so. Yeah. I really hope that it's just the two of them and that we just get backstory on top of backstory for for Callus and, uh, and Zeb. And uh, I... Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm really excited for it. I'm really, really excited for this, and, this episode. And we're getting, uh, we're going to a moon of Geonosis, which is yeah. interesting amount. Wow. So I can't wait to see what happens and how. Here's the thing. Like, I'm wondering by the end of this episode, what we're going to see with Kalos. So that's like my main thing. Like, it could be something totally out of the blue, like, like I've mm-hmm. talked about. Like, could he, in fact, change, um, 
alliances. I don't know. He seems to be a character that wouldn't do that, but you never, I don't know. It's just one of those things where they're really setting up a, a big question with this episode. So I can't wait to see yeah. what's up. So um, looking forward to that. That's going to do it for this episode, Mike. <clears throat> Yeah, that's it. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Of course, as always, you can stay up to date with all of the latest Star Wars Rebels news by heading to rebelspodcast.com, where Tim does an awesome job of keeping you guys up to date over there. Um, you can also follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash rebelspodcast, as well as on Twitter, at rebelspodcast. You can follow myself, at arkwolf, A-R-K-W-U-L-F, and you can follow Matt on Twitter, at the crankster. That's crankster with a K. Yes. And, uh, and of course, we're part of the Thunderquack Podcast Network, and uh, you can find tons of awesome podcasts over there uh, by heading to thunderquack.com, uh, where you can check out, uh, you know, uh, maybe Talking Time Lords. That's, uh, that's a good one that, uh, that uh, Jason and Paul do. Uh, they talk about Doctor Who, so if you're a Doctor Who fan. Uh, that's definitely worth checking out. But we have lots of great podcasts on all sorts of topics. Doctor Who, X-Files, obviously Arrow, uh, my other podcast, Quiver the Green Arrow podcast, I, and, uh, and and other stuff as well. So yeah. so go there, thunderquack.com, check that out. And if you like what we do, then head to patreon.com slash thunderquack and uh, chip in a couple bucks and uh, and and support us. Help, us. help us bring these podcasts to you. Uh, podcasting is not cheap it is not free so uh we appreciate everybody who heads over there yeah. and uh, and supports us through patreon uh, uh we we really appreciate that support and uh it would be much more difficult to do this without the support of our awesome fans and listeners so i uh, head there uh, patreon.com slash thunderquack if you donate a dollar or more uh you you will be added into our raffle drawing or we do a quarterly uh, prize giveaway, prize box giveaway, and uh, our next prize box is coming up at the end of March. Uh, and we'll give that away on our uh, Batman v Superman spoiler cast live roundtable, um, which will be at the end of March, obviously, because that's when Batman v Superman comes out. And uh, I, it's Batman v Superman themed. So the first prize that we added in last week was uh the amazon gift card right right 25 dollars amazon gift card which if that wasn't good enough we're also going to throw in this week i uh, you'll get a copy of the batman v superman uh soundtrack a, a digital copy nice uh, uh, on itunes for that so um and we'll we'll probably be adding a couple more prizes to that prize box as we go but uh, but you know what? Even even just those two prizes, I think that's good. I think that's a pretty solid prize box. Oh yeah. Um, but I I mean, if the soundtrack's anything like the the Man of Steel soundtrack, it'll be a good one. Yeah. I I but that's it for us this week. So uh, thank you guys for listening, and we we'll catch you next week for the honorable ones. See you guys next week. <laughs> <laughs>